Welcome to Interior Analysis. I'm Evan Westman. And I am tired. <laughs> cool. I'm Jelani Kelly. And today we are talking about Sherlock, A Study in Pink. So this is just the first episode of the show. Doing it a little different. This is my first TV pick, but I thought it was better to look at just this episode than the whole first season of the show and well yeah i feel like you can almost engage with it like just a like a movie more than it's the length of one yeah yeah and um i don't know if you looked forward but uh so are the rest of them yeah so there's not that many i think there's 13 total if you include the like bonus one yeah, we're going to probably cover more of these at some point. I don't really know when. I don't know exactly which ones. We're not going to do all of them because 12 is too many, and some of them I just don't really care to talk about, even though I love this series. But we will be looking at, like, if you're a fan of the show and you're, like, disappointed that we're not talking about, like, stuff with mysteries or, like, the deductions, villains, like, looking more at Sherlock as a character, we might probably end up doing that when we do other things, but... There were a few specific topics I wanted to focus on for this, but more Sherlock is coming at some point. Uh, so this was your first time with it. Initial reactions. My first question... I, I asked a lot of questions for my reactions. Mm-hmm. And I guessed right, I guess. I said, is this your for- favorite portrayal of Watson? And Hell yes, it is. Okay. We'll get to that later, but yes, resoundingly. Yeah asking where Sherlock Holmes was at it was like I think like 7 minutes 45 seconds in is when I checked I was like oh it's a whole lot of Watson right now where's uh where's the boy and then I said there he is whipping a dead body it was a strange intro besides his interviews this is the first time I've heard Cucumber Patch speak in his British accent and that was also like not really alarming, but like I'm, I'm used to hearing Doctor Strange in his American accent. So mm. um, I had the inverse because I saw this show well before Doctor Strange came out, uh, and I heard his American. I was like, ah, oh, I miss, I miss British Cumberpatch. Uh, said the mortician. I just asked him out, and he didn't notice. I'm sure he noticed. He probably was, that was probably just his way of letting her down. Either that or he doesn't understand what she was trying to do. Yeah, I I thought it strange because, you know, he's a detective, but he didn't seem to understand that she was trying to do something. It was a really strange info, intro for him. I made a note, Miss Hudson assumes they're gay. LOL. That was funny. I like the fact that Watson is like a fan of Sherlock uh, and what he's capable of. With Sherlock saying people, like that car scene, people, Sherlock saying people mm-hmm. normally tell him to piss off, but Watson's built different, essentially. Oh, man, Sherlock with Sally and Anderson, when he f- yeah. found out that they were, oh, man, he said, yeah, because she's wearing your deodorant, too. I was like, oh, and then he said, I'm sure she scrubbed your floors, judging by the state of her knees. I verbally gasped. I was like, yo, what? This man has no chill. I checked the IMDb page today, just like going through it to look at stuff. 
there's one question on the FAQ page, and it's like, um, scrubbed her floors, like, by the state of her knees, like, what? And then there's no answer under it. Yeah. But, like... And then he had the exchange with... <laughs> what? What's the other, the actual detective's name? Lit- Lestrade. Lestrade. He said, shut up. Lestrade said, I didn't say anything. He said, you were thinking. It's annoying. That is a pretty great exchange. This is insane, bro. And I asked, Watson represents the audience, doesn't he? I'm guessing I'm right on that. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into that more later, because there's kind of more where that comes from. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering why Watson willingly got in the car, and then, actually, that was explained when he showed up in front of Moriarty, or Mycroft, whatever the hell his name is. And then I ask, is the non-intimidating dude Moriarty, which I was right about, because I'm aware that Moriarty is, like, Sherlock's foil or archenemy or whatever. Like, that's... I don't know much Wait, about the books. Non-intimidating dude being who? The dude in the garage. Oh, no, that's Mycroft. Wait, what? So I also thought that the first time I saw this. I thought he was going to set up to be Mycroft. I mean, be Moriarty. Wait, so are they not the same um, person? They are not. Mycroft is Sherlock's brother, who, like, he's basically a completely original character. In the original stories, Mycroft shows up, like, in one out of 50 of them. Like, he's barely there. He's a staple of this show. And, like, their relationship in the book is completely different than what it is in the show. He does come off like he's going to be Moriarty, though. I thought he was... I thought Moriarty was the arch his arch enemy that which is why i assumed that mycroft was moriarty it was just he was just using a different stupid name yeah so so i can see where the confusion comes from i kind of had some of it the first time i watched this we did not see moriarty in this episode okay you just get the mention of him from the cabbie at the end so they're they're not the same person mm. at all in short the guy in the garage is mycroft Mm. Um, I also asked why everyone assume, assumes Watson is dating Sherlock. Like they, everybody just assumes they're gay. There is a lot of no homo moments in this episode yeah. and the show. But there are there are more to come. With each episode being the length of a movie, uh, yeah, I said I'm down to watch the rest of these over the course of some time if you want to do an episode every now and then. So I really liked this pilot. Hmm. Yeah, it was it was something different. Oh, and then I my last thing was uh why Anthea or whatever the hell her name is is treating Watson like that. Mycroft might be MIB flashing her. Like I don't know what the name of that forget f- forget Deneuralizer, I think it is. I haven't seen that in a while, so it could be wrong. Yeah, that I I feel like he's doing something with her memory cuz she didn't re- she actually didn't seem to remember who Watson was either that or that was just real mean of her. She's also always on her phone, which is strange. It's probably a reason for that. I don't know what the reason is. Yeah, those well, are... she's supposed to be like a par- a government employee because I don't know if you caught it. Mycroft is like yeah, in he's Parliament somehow and CIA and all these other things, right? Mm-hmm. And those are all minus reactions, but I, I liked it. We'll explain more in a second. I'm definitely glad you liked it. I wasn't sure if you would. I mean, it was, it's it's quality. 
I know when I watched it the first time, I got hooked immediately. I was like, this is just my favorite now. I don't even need to, like, see others to justify it. This is just my favorite show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, like, relationship with this show, I, I won't spend a long time with this, but I feel like it's worth talking about because, like, a lot of times when people ask me, like, oh, what got you into screenwriting? Of course, I usually say Inception. And there's truth to that. But as I was looking back, I kind of think it's more so this show. Like, it it got me on IMDb originally, which in turn, like, got me writing reviews and stuff. And I dug up the, the first script I actually wrote was a spec for season four, episode one. I say it was a spec. I didn't know what it what a spec script was at the time. Really, it was more like fan fiction, if we want to be accurate. So, yeah, I hadn't read it in, like, six years. I'd forgotten most of it. What was I? I was probably, like, 15 when I wrote it. The formatting is trash. It's, like, completely wrong. The content is also pretty bad. I made an okay attempt at, like, trying to, like, imitate the voices of the characters and, like, trying to, like, encapsulate like put the spirit of the show in it but like i didn't even try tracking with the mystery that i created like i'm not gonna go into details partly because i just want to spare myself that from being in the public and partly because i honestly couldn't tell you like i I couldn't track with my own logic in rereading it but like i think this show it kind of like maybe fall in love with dialogue in, like, going and reading the quotes pages on IMDb. That was kind of like... Uh, those are not scripts. Then I shouldn't conflate the two. But, like, that was kind of the first reading a script that I ever did. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's a good show to learn dialogue from. And, like, as, as I was... Like, I, I went and read all through, like, every quotes page for every episode that was out at the time. Which I think would have been, like... I think the first three seasons were out then. So I did that to like try to help write the script for it. Cause I was like, I'm going to try to imitate these voices. That maybe is the strong, like the best thing I can say for it is like, I made an attempt. Was it a good imitation? Maybe not, but like I could see that I was trying at least. Mm-hmm. I think I actually tried to do like, I was going to do like all of season four i was just gonna like fanfic the whole thing but i think i stopped off after the like midway through the second episode i have lost that file so i'm not totally sure also as i was reading back i I don't it's not really a spoiler to say this i think i was setting up molly the um assistant at the morgue that you were talking about her in her initial reactions i don't think they say her name in this episode but the one who is yeah they do yeah, she sticks around. I think I was setting her up to be, like, the big villain of season four for some reason. Wow. And she got rejected. Um, yeah, I don't remember why, and I don't think there was any evidence of, like... Call my mouth action- small, will you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, uh, set her on a path of vengeance. Honestly, I think it might have actually been something close to that. And I'm not going to go into detail for more because that that does kind of involve season three spoilers. Not related to her, but like just other things. I I probably shouldn't say any more about it just to avoid spoilers. Because like a lot of what I was doing with that episode was like just predicting what was going to come next. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting when like season four actually came out comparing the two. 
but yeah after watching the first two seasons i think i saw it like right before season three came out so like i finished season two and then a month later three in the time in between and probably a little after i went and read almost all of the original arthur conan doyle stories i haven't in years this was back like early to mid high school i was doing this so it's been a while but i got really deep into like the original sherlock holmes stories i haven't read every single one i think there's a few that i haven't but i i I think it's fair to say i've read most how many are there i think around like 50 there's also four full-length novels the the story this is based on a study in scarlet is one of the novels just to quick compare the two like they're they're pretty similar in a lot of ways um like there's the the cab driver that's going around killing people i don't remember the method from the book it's the original story they have the whole thing with watson meeting him through like his friend after coming back from war and i think he actually even though it's like the 1800s i think he was actually in afghanistan in the book oddly enough and then they actually do the inverse with the rachel Rocca thing Mm -hmm. where like one of the when they discover that one of the detectives is like oh she must have been spelling out rachel and sherlock deduces no it's actually revenge and he ends up being right because like the the motive was completely different i think the cabbie had an aneurysm just like in the show but then like the second the entire second half of the book is like the cabbie's backstory because he was like involved in the mormon church or something because that was like kind of new at the time i i really don't remember i might have not even finished that section of the book literally the entire second half is just the cabbie's backstory in like early mormon settled utah and what? stuff yeah i'm i'm glad they cut it what? but that that happened yeah aside from that like it's basically the same as i recall but the other big novel is hounds of the baskerville which is the second episode of season two i don't know if we'll do that one but that's like that's like kind of his most famous one mm-hmm. so that'll transition us decently into the first topic which is updating the character for present day so what did you know about sherlock holmes prior to this like have you seen any other versions uh, or like adaptations of it or read any of the stories or like if you haven't where have you seen him show up in pop culture and stuff like that so i read one story for a class that jacks up called the mystery story was not a fun class and i don't know how i skimmed by because i didn't actually read most of the stories we were assigned in that class can relate there was a whole lot of reading i was supposed to and didn't do in college but that's neither here nor there i did we did get to do like pretty much our own projects like halfway half point project and then like a final project and i wrote scripts for both like short story scripts it was pretty cool he really liked my first one which was a superhero thing, but... Um, of course. Yeah, well, Evan, it's my thing, bro. And speaking of superheroes, I saw... So that, I, I read one, I don't remember which story, both Study in Scarlet and the Baskerville one sound familiar. I, I don't, again, I don't remember which story they had us read. I've seen him in Epic Rap Battles of History on YouTube when he rapped against Batman and Robin. Uh, with Watson like he had Watson and then he was 
rapping against Batman or Robin. And that's the only media I've ever seen him in. And then there's, like, the saying, no shit, Sherlock. Mm, yeah. Like, that. that's about the extent of it. I mean, I've known who he is. I saw The Great Mouse Detective as well. Don't remember that movie, but I know I saw it. And I know that was based on Sherlock. Yeah, uh, well, they had. D- doesn't the mouse have the Deerstalker hat in it? Yeah. You know, the, the same one. Listen, man, I don't remember that movie, man. But, uh, I've never seen it, but I feel like I've, you know, seen images, trailers, whatever. I'm pretty sure the main villain was Rat Sputin something. Rat. It was pun with rat in the name i feel like you're right but i don't know it either yeah ratty arty but yeah and then speaking of batman i believe that's where some of the inspiration of batman came from i mean he is a detective and there was a character in the comics recently in the comics that was supposed to be batman's moriarty like his arch enemy like other than the joker like genius though like, named the designer who supposedly set up Batman. It was a whole thing. He set up the Rose Gallery and gave his Batman's villains, like, the greatest desires, but desired, like, in exchange for half of whatever they got or something like that. He ended up being a disappointment, though, and was pretty much a dead body or something. I know, comics. And Joker was the real villain. Again, waste potential. And what's worse is, in that, they alluded to a detective and his foil without mentioning names. But it was supposed to be Sherlock and Moriarty because they were constantly mm-hmm. going back and forth in alluded story in that comic. So that that's another example of when I've uh, seen him. But I, I don't see him a, a whole lot. But I, I think any detective character like has to draw some semblance of draw something from Sherlock because he's like one of the OGs, right? Yeah, I think there there were definitely others before him, and I, I haven't. I'll admit I'm not at all well-versed in, like, 18th century history or literature or anything and don't want to be. But one (laughs) character that I know is at least... It's actually referenced in one of the Sherlock Holmes stories. I don't know the character's name, but I know Edgar Allan Poe Mm -hmm. had, like, a detective character who was kind of famous at the time. And there's one of the stories... I don't know how early, but... Watson says something like, "Oh, you you remind me like you're you're just like uh, that character in Edgar Allan Poe's story." And Sherlock kind of goes, "That guy, dude's a freaking idiot. Like he missed <laughs> X, Y, and Z. Like totally dunks on the guy." I, I hadn't really ever thought of comparing him and Batman before, but mm-hmm. I think there's, I think that's fair because like Batman more so than most other superheroes or even like non-detective characters is kind of a detective he's that's one of his titles like the world's greatest detective but he seems to do it at least i mean you of course would know better than me but from what i've seen he kind of seems to be a little more tech based like yeah he's most more definitely, into yes. like hacking mm-hmm. and like that's never been part of sherlock's thing like he's very even in this like a a big thing that probably even as someone who hasn't seen much of it it was probably somewhat obvious to you is like how technology is kind of influencing this version of the character where they're all using cell phones and like tracking Mm -hmm. the phone on the computer and all that like of course none of that was there the texting oddly enough kind of was because they had telegrams Mm. at the time like that text that sherlock sends watson like 
come at once if convenient, if mm-hmm. inconvenient, come anyway. That's from the books, and like Could he sends dangerous. it as a telegram. Yeah. I said dangerous, um, and yet here you are. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely dig into that. There are similarities, of course, because like I think there's times we see Batman like investigating a crime scene. Hush is one of his greatest detective stories. I love that story. It was not adapted into a well-received. It it wasn't good animated movie, but um, I actually have that comic book in my like, in my uh on my bookshelf. It's one of my favorite Batman stories. Detective anything where he's like being an actual detective is cool. But he's mostly he's more like forensics. Yes. More so than like like analyzing blood like. and yeah, you yeah. read about that like he. Without gadgets, I don't think he'd be doing very well. Yeah, which is, that's a big contrast. Like, the scene I'm thinking of is in The Dark Knight when he does the thing with the the bullets. He, like, figures out from, like, the way the shrapnel hits the bricks or something. It's, It's not a scene that has a ton of explanation, but it's, like, he has resources, and that makes him a good detective, whereas Sherlock could be in a room with just himself and literally zero tools and if you take Sherlock's resources, it's like, it's just him. So, probably gotten into this a bit, but what is your overall impression of this Sherlock Holmes? Like, do you like him? Is he intriguing? Is he fun to watch? Is he kind of too mean or annoying to root for? Just like, in general, what do you think of him? Uh, Definitely intriguing. I said before, it was an extremely weird intro to him, but I did like him off the bat. Especially with that freaking breakdown he hit Watson with as soon as he walked in the room. He was like, Afghanistan or Iraq, I believe. He was like, yeah. oh, what? Yo, bro, this, this man's a different. Okay. It's the only version I've seen of him, like, played seriously. Like, I, I wouldn't count the YouTube video I saw. Yeah. Um, well, he definitely gets parodied a lot, so, yeah. like... And he's and he's played by Doctor Strange. What's what's not to like? Uh, Sorry, Doctor Strange is played by him. This came first. Cool. I'm like, fair, uh, when I'm was fair this? That you think that 2010? Oh, uh, yeah. This is well before Doctor. Listen, Strange. Listen, I saw him as Doctor Strange before Sherlock Evan. This is well, you're late to the game. Oh, um, that is no. <laughs> okay, you're right. I like seeing main main characters with great morals though. So both he and Watson are intriguing. I I was worried mm. Watson would just be flabbergasted at everything Holmes did. That's kind of what it seemed like it would be at first with him saying, "Oh, that's amazing, that's incredible," and I was like, "Oh it's no, fantastic. Watson, Watson, please don't." And he's like, "You know, you do, you're doing that out loud, right?" <laughs> and I thought he'd be utterly useless. I don't know what he's like in the original source material other than the narrator, but no, he's cool too. So, yeah, I like both of them. And then the chemistry they had at the end of the episode, I was like, oh, this this finna be a beautiful relationship, friendship. They are yeah. both very morally gray, thrill-seeking MFers. So. Yeah. That was pretty close to my thoughts on first watching it. Before watching the show, I had seen the two Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law movies that came out, like, right around the same time. Mm-hmm. And those are much different, though, because, like, that Sherlock Holmes is, like, basically an action hero. Like, literally the first scene with him he's, is... It's like he slows down time. Or, that's, like, the only thing I know about those movies. He's, like, analyzing yeah. everything. Got Okay, he's, he's got a, a 
crick in his right elbow. So if he swings right, I'm going to go left and then uppercut. Yeah, go ahead. Right. Well, no, exactly that. Like, that's how he's portrayed. And they have, like, some of the more traditional deductions in that. But mostly, like, his intro scene is him just beating the crap out of a guy with his deductive skills. So, like... (laughs) That one, is, and I enjoy those movies, but like that's Sherlock Holmes, the action hero, which Sherlock is not really, I don't want to say not meant to be an action hero, but that's never really been a staple mm-hmm. of who he is. Like he definitely gets into some tight spots, but he's not a fighter. Imagine being a super genius, but still throwing hands at people instead of using your head. I mean, there's times when he has to, because, you know, he's solving crimes, he's messing with some dangerous people. Yeah. But. You know, he's not, he's never been an action hero, mm-hmm. even though he, like, he has adventures, but he's not, like, you know, those, the Guy Ritchie movies with Robert Downey Jr., like, those are action movies. Yes. And, like, unashamed of that. Like, they're not trying to be anything but, like, dope action movies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get into the thing with Watson later, because um, I'm glad you brought that up, but... I want to save Watson for the end because he is my favorite. Um, so so last like Twitter handle. He is. Yes. And this Watson specifically mm-hmm. is the second half of my Twitter handle. Not any other, but we'll get into that. So this is my favorite reimagining of a longstanding character, probably rivaled, but not passed by the James Bond and Casino Royale. That one's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, and you know, it's certainly not the only character that's been rebooted so like what are a couple of your favorites that and like especially what are the things in those specific renditions that set apart the characters above the others one that's a given that we can get into but i feel like we don't necessarily have to obviously garfield is better than mcguire that's a given on this show given but i feel like there might be better examples out there well, since you mentioned Spider-Man, that, that was one of my things. Uh, I was going to say Tom Holland's Spider-Man. I mean, who, who doesn't like him? Anybody that doesn't like him, I feel like is just a Maguire fan. I've seen complaints. He's not, like, funny enough. Or a lot of people call him Iron Man Jr., which I can I can see and agree with. But compared to what we, what we had, Garfield wasn't bad. Uh, he's the best pe- I've seen for, like, Peter Parker. That Peter Parker Spider-Man combo like he really seems like he embodies the character really well from what i've read in the comics and based off the movies we've already had extensive conversations about that hit up our patreon yeah we don't need to get into that i'm crazy henry cavill's i say cavill some people say cavill i don't know how the hell to pronounce it i've heard uh, cavill yeah i just call him cavill. henry cavill's superman uh what he's capable of i know the biggest thing to harp on is the destruction of the city and like man of steel and like the fact that he doesn't really have emotions or like connect to humans like that but no none of the other movies like go as far as destruction goes in man of steel like destroying an entire effing city from what i'm aware of i don't think to be fair to the other movies i don't think that the tech existed i like the whole god-like approach like people don't understand like Superman is supposed to be down to earth and all this. And I understand that. This, again, was like a different take. And I liked this different take. 
the dude is is pretty much a god. Like in the tri- you, you see him take off from the ice, just go at like supersonic speeds and all this. Like, does he have a reason to really be connected to humans like that? I don't think so. But that that's a whole argument thing. I just really like Henry Cavill. I like Man of Steel. Probably biased there, but. But that is kind of a reinterpretation, though, right? Because, like you were saying, like some other, I haven't seen. I think Man of Steel and now Batman v Superman are the only things I've seen Superman in. But from what I've heard of the older ones with like Christopher Reeve, mm-hmm. they do seem like he's trying to be more down to earth and like. Mm-hmm. I saw Superman Returns too. That's the one with uh, Brandon Ralph. Yeah, the one where he 06. gets that. The, the main scene I remember, the two things I remember from that is him lifting up the island at the end, and then the one in the middle where he gets shot in the eye with a bullet and it crushes. Oh, and I've seen that shot. His thing that that was. I think that was that might have been like my first movie introduction to Superman. I was like, my dad was like, "Look at this! Did you see this?" I was like, "Oh my god." remember the rest of history but go ahead yeah well i think obviously like the god comparison is not really apt for sherlock but they are kind of like they, at least in this introduction they're kind of dehumanizing him because mm-hmm. like he's not an impersonal guy in the original stories like i think there are times when he doesn't connect great with people but like his being a dick to people that's not a staple of the character mm-hmm. and like being the uh, this kind of transitions into something i was planning to talk about with him like they kind of play into the eccentric like impersonable genius like mark zuckerberg or steve jobs or like rick from rick and morty like he's that kind of a character which he hasn't always been mm-hmm. but they really play that up with this where it's not really about sherlock holmes as a man it's sherlock holmes the like freaking machine who's just like so smart mm-hmm. and like i don't know if that's exactly a perfect comparison but like from what you've said and what i've heard from other people like the henry cavill superman does seem to be more like superman the god mm-hmm. rather than clark kent the human right. i don't know if that's how you would say it but that seems to be more the tone with that rendition i mean they also set him up like that like he like it i I don't i forget at what point in the movie maybe from the very beginning but they like he set up like like a mystery like lois is um when they introduce her she starts like narrating and it's how she's like finding this mystery god dude that's been said to like save he's treated like a like an urban legend which is really dope and they show the scenes where, like, the, the ship on fire, and he's walking through the fire, shirtless, of course, because superhero movies. Abs. Yeah. Um, and then the scene with the trucker and her trying to, talking to the uh, his uh, ex-bully from when he was young that worked at the IHOP. Like, he's treated like an urban legend god thing. Like, it's, it's super dope, in, in my opinion, like. Because it's from the perspective of a human, you know, learning about. Off that subject, uh, here's something different from superheroes, but still probably along the same lines. Uh, Any character from Team Four Stars Dragon Ball Z. So if you don't know what Dragon Ball Z is, that's an anime that started in, I believe, the 90s. And Team Four Star is a YouTube channel group of people that dub over 
most of the animated series from what the English dub used to be. So they are all exaggerated or just funnier versions of these original characters. Like, for example, the main character is extra stupid. His rival is extra ass assholeish. And the writing and pacing is goddamn fantastic. So that if if you want to learn more about that, I'd honestly just look them up. I kind of grew up watching them. Yeah, that it's that's another example of like a reimagining of a long-standing characters. I just think is I think it's just just neat. It's just neat. So like, what what do you think in that like reimagining? is like what makes that better than the original or better than others i'd say the comedy like any most if not all of the jokes hit it's called abridged so it's like an even shorter version of what the original was like they're getting to the point of what's happening in the story but also like the point is also to be funny at the same time which is probably really difficult to do i mean if it's based off of a source material. You obviously have something that, you know, it was already made for them. So it's something to, to like, base the stuff off of. But the the writing is pretty much original. Like, the, the characters and all their backstories and all that, it's, it's the same. But, like, the way they portray and, and dub the characters is, like I said, extremes and funnier versions of, of the originals. The villains, all of that, the, there's, like, the villains are much more cocky and not, like... A lot of the villains in the anime are much more, um... What's the word? Mustache twirling. They're just evil for the mm. sake of being evil. But instead of just making them evil for the sake of being evil, they'll also be, like, confused. They They can still keep their personality, but they'll be confused by how stupid the main character is. And it, it's it's a... It's a whole lot. Or they'll be surrounded by uh, their goons and their goons are just really not intelligent and they play off of that. And it's, it's really great stuff. They've done not only like two arcs, two or three arcs in the series, but they've also done the movies that have come out as well. They stopped doing it now, unfortunately. They didn't do the last arc of the series. I'd give it a watch. Look, look into it. If the comedy's not for you, that's fine because... If you don't know what Dragon Ball Z is, you might not get all of the references. Yeah, and I might. Jokes and stuff. I personally might need a softer intro than that. Yeah, I know what it is, but not really. Mm -hmm. One thing though that I think you you kind of alluded to this that like was I feel like was sort of a trend in like the early two thousands was like taking characters that had been kind of more campy and fun and then grounding them more. You saw that with like. James Bond is a good example. Batman's another one, like with the Nolan mm -hmm. uh, version of Batman, where it's like, we used to have Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey as Batman villains, and now you have, like, Oscar-winning Liam Neeson and yeah. Heath Ledger as, like, his villains, and Christian Bale, like, really committing to this character. Mm -hmm. And then with, like, James Bond, like, you used to have, like, as... Uh, you use the term mustache twirling like that's a perfect word to describe like most earlier bond villains and then you Gold get finger. mads mickelson coming in with like this really grounded take that's like just it feels like someone who would belong in the real world mm -hmm. rather than like 
Blofeld trying to, or I don't know, I don't know who the villain is in Moonraker, but they like that one. Moonraker. Yeah, I've never seen it, but I've heard that's an especially ridiculous early Bond movie. With a name uh, like that, I would hope so, or guess. I'm not remembering all the titles, but I don't think that's the most ridiculous one either. But getting back to Sherlock, like, and like to go off of another point you were talking about before with um, Superman and Man of Steel, we kind of get a similar thing with like how Lois Lane is like discovering who Superman is for like uh. a good chunk of that movie. We get a little bit of that with Watson. Mm-hmm. Watson is the narrator of the original stories. So like the way that we are introduced to Sherlock in this is a little bit like that in the book where it's like, oh, he hears tell of like who would want to be my flatmate. And then it shows Sherlock mm-hmm. opening it. There's like a little bit of... um intriguing it's kind of the thing we talked about in our devil wears prada episode with like learning about characters through the way other people react to them Mm -hmm. we kind of get that with sherlock here particularly like we don't really know it's him when the detectives are like getting the texts in the press briefing and they're like oh yeah i thought that was a serial killer yeah it's not clear at first i don't know how long it took me to pick up on that but yeah like i i think i'm 80% 80% sure that's supposed to be Sherlock. And you get Donovan and Lestrade arguing. Like, can you stop him doing that? Like, as soon as I knew as soon as I interested. said that, it was him. Yeah, because it does come off like maybe it is the serial killer like trolling them mm-hmm. in that scene. But we do kind of get that like mystery built up with Sherlock. To compare like this series with the original stories, like I would say a, it's a little bit more dramatic than the stories. Like that ending scene where like, He's kind of in this life or death situation with the cabbie, even though it's not quite as dangerous as it looks at face value. That's a lot more like played up than a lot of the stories are like not all of them are necessarily violent crimes. Mm -hmm. I think they make it a little more like law and order, like homicide kind of stuff in the show than it is in the books. But a big thing that I think is this show has going for it is they're really keeping to the spirit of the old stories. Like most episodes I think are based on a specific original story to the point that I know the spec episode that I tried to write, there was a specific story that I was like trying to adapt with it, that I was like basing the mystery on. I don't really remember how truthful I was to it, but like that's kind of a, like pretty much every episode like they take a lot of liberty for sure but there's usually a one-to-one where you can be like more than anything else this episode is based on this story and one thing i think this is a quote from sue virtue one of the showrunners she said something to the effect of like other detectives have cases sherlock holmes has adventures which is a big selling point i think for the character because you know, there's no shortage of, like, crime drama mystery shows on TV. Oh, like, God. All of those acronym ones, CSI, NCIS, Law and Order. Narcos uh, and Ozarks. Hawaii Five-O, I think, is one. Is that a is that a cop show? Or a, Five-O, I, I think. That's, I mean, it's cop, I feel like right? yeah. that's some kind of crime something. But, like, it's not as if we don't have a lot of those. There was and, an abundance when I was looking... I, I just happened to come across, sure, like, I didn't even search when I was, like, on Netflix 
actually looking for the show, which I don't know why. I just kept scrolling, and I eventually found it in just the list of crime drama shows. And I was like, oh, my God, why are there so many of these? We are, like, I think there's a... It, we're kind of still in it. I don't I don't know why I was going to say yeah. it was a time pass, but, like, we are drowning in it's crime shows. It's Castle and... Oh, my... Actually, I really like Castle, but Bones and... Why are they all one word, too? Because that's more dramatic. Bones on Thursday, <laughs> 7, 8 Central. But it's it's maybe like kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy because what you had before shows like that was kind of these like serialized stories that came out in magazines like the Sherlock Holmes stories did. Like that was kind of the equivalent of like the long form storytelling before tv was a thing mm. that's where like sherlock started and it's kind of a thing you can keep doing like there's a reason there's so many of them they're like kind of easy to make there's always an immediate tension like oh who killed them or who who stole the whatever find and out next by week. the end of the episode you find out oh. and like it it kind of works with the format that's kind of perfect episodic tv fodder like i was saying with that quote the difference is that like Sherlock Holmes isn't just about discovering the case. It's like the character itself is, he's intriguing. Mm -hmm. And particularly with this one, like that was the selling point for me. And we'll, we'll get into this a bit later, but like, I wasn't interested in like just having a mystery every week. Mm -hmm. And like, that wasn't what kept me watching. What kept me watching was like, this guy is like really intriguing. Mm -hmm. And some of the other characters too. You know, he has villains too. Which is more a staple, like a thing with this show, than the other ones. Like the the uh, the original stories don't really feed into each other. Mm -hmm. There's a couple exceptions, but for the most part, they kind of stand on their own. And and this show, they're already setting up. Like each episode kind of stands on its own, but they're, you know, you couldn't watch most of them without having seen the ones that come before. It's like the MCU um, movies. Actually, that's not entirely true. But there's like a. I'd say they're more connected than the MCU. This, I mean, I still haven't seen all of them, and I don't feel like I've missed anything. A couple other things real quick with just, like, the character himself. Like, I talked about they kind of play up his intelligence, bring down his, like, interpersonal skills. They also really, like, in this version, emphasize his flaws, like his, how ego is his weakness and how it's used against him in that last scene where he could walk out of the room, but also, like, he can't let himself walk out uh. of the room because he has to be right. In terms of adapting him, they kind of take what already exists with the character and reframe it in a certain way. We were kind of were talking about that with some of the other characters. Like, it's not like they're creating this completely new thing. It's like, this is an element that's always been there. We're just kind of going to explore it a little more. And they're kind of doing it with that person who's like insanely book smart but has no people skills mm -hmm. which is kind of a character that we see a lot i think this is maybe one of the best versions of it though and by doing that they kind of make the show be able to be about something so that brings us to the next topic i was gonna do this is a quicker one introducing a theme mm -hmm. so of course like in the first episode they're not doing anything you know too much with the theme but they're introducing it as like it really, I think, is the line from Lestrade, Sherlock Holmes is a great man, and one day, if we're lucky, maybe he can be a good one. First of all, dope line. But I think that really is... But what like, does the line mean? 
it, uh, all right, I'm not going into that. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it's kind of like exploring this thing of like being ordinary versus extraordinary and like, which is it better to be? How do you balance both? Mm-hmm. As I said, they're not really doing a ton to dig into it, but they're they're setting themselves up for success in this pilot. Like you have a good spectrum of people. You have the Scotland Yard detectives who are like, I, I put it in quotes, like quote unquote dumb, because they're not like really what we would normally call dumb. But by this show's definition, like they're way behind Sherlock in terms of like actually being able to do their job but then some of them like anderson is just such an ass in this show (laughs) like he looks like donovan too his face looks like somebody else's face was cut off and put on his face not what i would describe it as but there's something off-putting about him um not to like dunk on the actor too much but but yeah like any he plays the role well, though. Like, any time Anderson shows up, I'm just like, oh, screw it. Oh, my God. Like, this guy. And, like, when Sherlock puts him down, I, like, it's it's so gratifying. I'm just, I wonder what Sally's When you deal speak, is. you lower the IQ of the entire street. <laughs> Might be the best line in this episode. It's like, um, he's just straight roasting this man. He needs to leave or just quit. Uh, I wonder what Sally's deal is with him like did, did he hurt her there, there's something personal there there's no like she she straight up said he probably gonna kill somebody yeah well i i can i'll spoil it for you and say no there is not something personal there oh. that's just kind of her take on him i i understand where that reaction is coming from particularly in a long form thing it could be something they could like extrapolate on later but really that line is just kind of what it is at face value it's just like he is obsessed and she kind of like doesn't get him but it's kind of representative of like most of scotland yard and what they think of him like i was saying like there's a good spectrum of characters where you have like scotland yard people who are like kind of dumb and mean molly john and mrs hudson are like again quote unquote dumb but kind of on like they're generally nice people and then you have mycroft and sherlock who are like off the charts brilliant but they're also awful to people Mm -hmm. and then we get like the allusion to moriarty who apparently is also on par if not higher than sherlock on a mental level but he's you know it's not really spoiling it to say that like he's a criminal mastermind evil genius so mm-hmm. you have like a good like the the showrunners are and the writers are giving themselves a good spectrum of people to like mess around with and explore this theme with mm-hmm. where you have people who are kind of more ordinary and are both like you have like nice and mean ordinary people pretty much only like there's only mean smart people like oh, yeah. there aren't nice geniuses in this show so and it kind of like at the same time is defining like what it means by nice mean evil um because like and great right or like what's what's dumb because like i don't think anyone would classify watson or mrs hudson or lestrade as dumb people like they're generally like 
you know, not no one would ever call them brilliant, but no one would ever call them dumb. Mm -hmm. But this show, they kind of are like the show's definition of dumb. Mm -hmm. But they also like distinguish, you know, Mycroft kind of comes off as a little bit evil, but Sherlock doesn't. But like, you know, he's definitely like he roasts some people pretty hard and not always in ways that are fun. Mm -hmm. So it's it's kind of like. This episode does a good job of establishing that. I wonder if he's true neutral. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting, though, because, you know, he is, like, through his skill, he's doing good. Like, he's definitely helping people. Mm -hmm. But he's just, like, kind of the worst at the same time. Yeah. And there's nothing lawful about him, so he's not lawful, good, neutral, or evil. But he's not really... Maybe he is chaotic. Maybe it's chaotic good. Yeah, I don't... I feel like chaotic's not quite right either. Like, he yeah. does fall somewhere in the neutral area on, like, the D&D alignment chart, though. Yeah, not evil. But, like, he, he's, like... He's either, he's either neutral one... good or true neutral. Yeah, I think I would lean toward true neutral. Mm -hmm. But, like, just because... Because of what he chooses to do, he does tend more toward neutral good yeah but I, I like i really would not classify him as neutral good i have seen watson this watson classified as a neutral good yeah i don't know where i've seen this sherlock um designated not on the chart he's, he's not defined i mean charts. he's definitely on the chart but i don't remember where yeah um last thing with this topic like sherlock kind of has a small arc in this like at the end when he sees john and is like unpacking oh like this is like doing the deduction of who would have shot him. He realizes it's John mm -hmm. and he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to not go forward with that. Like he drops. I'm in, I'm in shock. Showing I off. I have the blanket. Yeah. Got this blanket. I'm in shock. <laughs> yeah. But he like, that's, it's not a full arc, but it's, it's a change for sure. Mm. Did you have more on introducing the theme no, at all? No, I was going to ask where, being mean and dumb fell under, but you kind of answered that with Sally Anderson. I wondered where the detective dude fell, but he was more dumb and nice in that category. Yeah. I mean, Lestrade definitely, like, has elements of both. He seems to be smarter than the other detectives. Like, he's kind of... I think he's referred to, maybe not in this episode, but others as, like, Scotland Yard's finest. Sherlock kind of says that as a diss, but I think he's still kind of regarded as their best. Mm -hmm. But he's also, like, you know, he certainly has his, like, quippy moments, but he's not, like, he's not really that much of a jerk. Like, he and John get along fine, for mm -hmm. one thing. All right, so next topic we have is uh, making a pilot. So what are elements that made you that make you want to keep watching any show after the first episode and in this pilot specifically what is or isn't making you want to keep going so first let me just start by this is a really long pilot i mm -hmm. mean this is the snyder cut version of any crime tv i have never seen a tv show as long as a movie like an episode like holy gosh but other than that, what made me want to keep watching it was the Sherlock and Watson's relationship. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Especially at the end where they're like laughing and like, oh, no, we're in shock. No, no, no I'm not laughing yet. Their chemistry is just so 
awesome. Yeah. Like Cumber Patch and Freeman. It's it's really solid. I wanna know if don't spoil if Watson gets with uh Anthea. I'm I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for him. That was oh man, that scene in the car where he was like you get a lot of free time. She's like, Oh yeah, I get lots oh, of yeah, free lots. time. Oh, <laughs> I love how she does how she like tells him off. She's like looking that. at her and I'm like, yo, are they gonna they're just gonna get it on right here? She just looks at him and says bye. I was like, Oh no, Watson, my guy. Oh and then she didn't remember it's a pretty him. fun diss though. Yeah, and then she didn't remember him later in the episode. He was like, We we met earlier tonight. I was like, Oh. Yeah, Watson. and Martin Freeman, of course, is brilliant in every scene but also those scenes god i feel like he's just in those moments he's just his character in black panther where he's kind of just like taking everything like yeah. and you can't really say anything about I, it where he, he got it, called a colonizer you know i i like that he's <laughs> in black panther kind of i feel like it maybe is his my least favorite role of his that i've seen though mm-hmm. i mean that's saying a lot though because you know he plays some of my absolute favorite characters like Mm -hmm. he's arthur dent he's bilbo baggins and he's watson which are like probably three of my top 20 characters what's dent from uh hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy Uh. he actually was in that before this like he kind of was known more than cumberpatch isn't he also in the british office yeah he's like the gym equivalent yeah um in the office um i haven't seen much of that but i know i know he's so like he was known Mm -hmm. at the time whereas like cumberpatch now i would say is much bigger than martin freeman Mm -hmm. but going into this show like cumberpatch had been in things but nothing like that people would really know him from i don't think Mm -hmm. at least certainly not in america britain might have been a different story but yeah now cumberpatch is like you know, he, he got Imitation Game after this, and then Doctor Strange, of course. And he's the Grinch with, for some effing reason. What? <sighs> yeah, in the Illumination one, which I refuse to see. Oh, no. Uh, other things. Uh, Mori- yeah. I want to know Moriarty's goals. I want to find out other mysteries before Sherlock does, because I called the taxi thing way mm. before he did. But then... I want to know, I want to see more of Holmes's breakdowns of people or situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are entertaining when he just goes on the rant and I'm like trying to follow everything. I have the subtitles up and I'm, I find myself actually having to read them. Like sometimes I'll just keep them up just, just in case I miss a word or something. Yeah, I have to. Well, I went back and read all of these after, so I don't really remember how well I could track mm-hmm. because it was like, I've, I've like, I kind of have like many of them memorized, like. The stuff with the phone, I have that whole scene memorized at this point. But it moves so fast. Like, you're not really supposed to track with it. But you want to, which is kind of like... Kind of what makes it so fun to watch. Uh, After he explains them, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. All that makes sense. I just couldn't deduce that because the writer and director didn't want me to see anything. Yeah. I don't feel too smart after he does the breakdowns. I'm like, oh... Well, yeah, that, make, that, that I guess that makes sense. So. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I, I tried for several months after watching the show to like do deductions in day to day life. Nope. Um, is it possible? Probably. Is it possible for me? Uh, pretty hard. No. <laughs> so, 
Yeah. But it does feel like stuff you could like I think he he just has like researched this stuff for so long that like he's it's second nature. But it does kind like it feels almost accessible mm-hmm. to like be able to do. Uh, I know with mysteries you gotta like work backwards. Mm-hmm. And that's still not like even though you like know who it who it is in the end, it's still not an easy thing to do. It's like going backwards in a maze pretty much going forwards like uh. yeah i think an important thing though with the mystery is uh, you know this is important in all mysteries like how much information do we have Mm -hmm. and i think an important thing for making it compelling to watch the reveal is we really have to have the same amount of information as sherlock does so like with those deductions like with watson's phone we don't get a good shot of the phone no, nope. like, we didn't even see the back see of it for like the name and all the scratch marks and all that. Yeah, right. So that one, like the the show is sort of cheating there. But for the mystery as a whole, like, you know, as you said, you were able to guess it's a taxi driver. I was not. Mm-hmm. But I know I've read like reviews like other people have guessed it. I think the later ones are at least seem to be a little bit tougher to guess. But, you know, the important thing is we have the same information because like the Guy Ritchie movies and actually other non Sherlock Holmes Guy Ritchie movies. I kind of hate how he does this. He'll do a thing where like he shows you a scene and then 10 minutes later go back and be like, Oh, but I cut this part out and this was really happening all along. And I'm like, all right, that can be like cool, but that's cheating Mm -hmm. because you didn't show us the whole scene. Mm -hmm. Like that's not you being smarter. You didn't give us enough information to guess it. Right. So, like, I I always find that frustrating. It sounds like you were, like, fairly compelled by it. Maybe not intrigued since you kind of guessed it. I, I thought it was compelling. I, I'm guessing you did a bit. I said it was kind of compelling. I immediately guessed the cab driver when Holmes asked the questions about hunting and crowds and stuff. Like, those three questions he asked back to back. I was like, oh, cab driver. They've been showing cabs throughout the entire show up yeah. until this point and talking about cabs and getting in cabs and cab cab cabs and then when they yeah. st- stopped the californian i thought i'd been wrong but i was uh then i was wondering why the californian was driving the cab and i was like wait and then i was proven to have been right all along when holmes explained that they didn't check the driver so i was like okay so he wasn't driving the cab they just didn't think to check the driver because the driver pulled off wasn't the the guy and the the passenger like he what like and and it's not like he told he looked the the Californian looked to the side and it's not like he told the driver to pull off as soon as freaking Holmes ran out the restaurant like you would have seen him say something but uh also the uh, yeah I always hate in the beginning of whenever I'm watching something a mystery or something I'm just I'm just assuming it's everybody they show on screen. I'm just like, oh, this guy did it. Oh, no, wait, maybe it's this person. Well, why do they introduce this person this way? I think they did it. Yeah, um, it's the clue ending where everyone did it. Yep. Like every, the third one. Yep. I, I can't help but just blame everybody off the bat. And then I try to think about, well, what would the writer do? What would the writer think the audience is not expecting? And then I try to mm-hmm. get inside the writer's mind, even though I do no research on the writers whatsoever. Well, that's always the thing, though, with, like mystery things you're always you always had like when you're reading a mystery story you are kind of doing the metagaming 
of like, okay, so like you're you're setting all this up so that you you want me to think it's this mm -hmm. because like there's all this evidence against them, but I know you're gonna pull the rug out mm -hmm. from under me later, so I bet it's this innocent person. So you have to like, yeah. I, I feel like I've never really tried writing a mystery aside from the one episode I did of this, but again, my attempt at a mystery was tragic. Um, that, that's generous. That's a funny like, word that, for it, bro. Tragic. No, no one's ever going to oh be allowed to read that script, but that might even be a generous word to use with it. It's, it's pretty pathetic. Yeah, uh, but anyway, like as a writer, I think you're always having like especially in mysteries you're having to really play with the audience's expectations it's, it's like and, a chess match between the writer and the audience who's ever reading or watching yeah it. well but it's also like you gotta the other thing you have to do with it is like you can't just be like okay i gotta play my audience you gotta also take into account what other mysteries have they seen what other tricks have they had pulled on them right and, like, you have to be able to track with the all of those. It seems, like, way too much to handle. Right. And, like, I, I kind of, like, I, I think there's a temptation that I have, and I know a lot of viewers have, to, like, all right, I'm going to guess the mystery. I'm going to figure it out. And, you know, I sometimes can do that, but I'm always, like, kind of disappointed when I can. Because mm -hmm. then I'm, like, you know, I want this movie to be smarter than me. If it's right. going to do this, like, I would rather have the surprise of, like, oh, God, like, this is such a cool reveal than have the, like, smug satisfaction of, ah, I outsmarted this movie. Like, mm -hmm. pat myself on the back as a uh, viewer kind of thing. I don't, I don't, I think that's, like, an overrated thing. Another version of that is, like, I, I think a lot of, I, I was told by, uh, Coughled that like it, it would come to us at some point but i can predict like lines in movies now like hmm. certain lines when somebody takes a big dramatic pause and they're like but you did didn't you something like that and i'm like yep i saw that line coming or i'll say it before they do and then whoever yeah. watching with me just looks at me straight and i'm like yeah it's either a cliche <laughs> line or it was very predictable he was gonna say that that you just don't get it, do you? Oh, God. <laughs> you, you just don't get it, do you? No, I... Stuff... Yeah. Yeah, that, that's... That company, guys! Oh, I... You, you're gonna, you're gonna want to take a look at this. That uh, <laughs> You gotta come see this. You dude. guys gotta come look at this. Creep. Yeah. That's just another version of, like, really, writer? You couldn't come up with a better line here? Like, oh, God. It's all strange... Side note, that's also, like, a lot of... I can predict certain things with, like, indie songs as well. Like, just... I'm subscribed mm -hmm. to a lot of, like, YouTube channels that just play new songs from unknown artists and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, there's a long music break here. Oh, she said this one word, and what else rhymes with this word? Oh, yeah. It's, In it's a country about, song, if there's a party, you know there's going to be Bacardi. Yeah. Because it rhymes. Or tractor and... <laughs> Love factor something. I don't yep. know. And I can't tell you how many of those freaking indie love songs use Phoenix from the Ashes, bro. Holy God, that's got to be a cliche at some point. I'm so sick of hearing that. Or it's something about oceans and, and eyes together. Like, oh, God, shut up. <laughs> but yeah, that 
sorry, I said all that to say those, those are just well. Some... There's certainly tropes and clans in like all genres, Freaking... and it, it's kind of worse when you have to rhyme stuff. Nobody's writing songs about elephants or pelicans because, <laughs> well, why would you? What? <laughs> well, no, because it doesn't rhyme with anything. Yeah, I know. This is just <laughs> two r- perfectly random animals. Well, no, because well, it, it's it's why nothing ever uh, happens with purple. Like purple doesn't show up in songs, but blue does. Yeah. That's... <laughs> oh man, that's funny. My face turned red. The words you said. Mm. Oh, let's rap battle. No. I'm, I'm on a rhyming high. No. God, no, please. Uh, let's get back to Sherlock, though. Yeah. Uh, also, the cabbie is not intimidating at all. Uh, Mycroft isn't either. Like, when Watson, like, approached him in the garage or whatever, wherever the hell they were, he was like, you're not intimidating. I was like, yeah, he's not. That, like, I could, you don't I seem could... very afraid. Well, you don't seem very frightening. <laughs> yeah, I, I We'll talk about that scene. I love that scene. It's like, yo... I could scrap with dude right now and like not even whoever he has in the garage could do it like trash. I don't, this guy's supposed to be a villain. And I said, I guess that's the point. The killers could be anyone, but like, I, I hope that's not the whole thing for the whole, like what if there was like a really smart buff dude? Like we don't see that unless it's freaking mm-hmm. Bane. Like what if they were physically intimidating as well as intellectually is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. There, there are, few characters like that but in in this show specifically like i think it it is kind of like devaluing physical prowess like like you were saying like that cabbie guy and and even like he doesn't come off like mycroft yeah like when you look at mycroft you're like he looks like an ivy league dude he looks like he got beat up before like school every day like who Mycroft? Yeah, like yo, who you, who you, who you threatening, bro? Like, unless you got a piece on you, bro, I'm take, I'm taking you out with one punch. Like, you need to. Relax uh, he's got that Kingsman umbrella, though. Uh, I mean, yeah. this is pre Kingsman, but he's got that Kingsman umbrella. I and mean, we don't know if Anthea is like a sleeper agent, or something. Yeah, we don't. But with the, well, the cab do. driver, like but, I, I do. Yeah. But with the cab driver, I think is like. Because, like, Mycroft looks the part of, like, the erudite, like, rich business villain. Yeah. The cab driver, you know, he, he, after talking to Sherlock, he, I I agree, he's not, like, intimidating per se. But he can, like, look the part of, like, you know, working class, blue collar guy. Mm -hmm. He doesn't, and, you know, again, like you were saying, he doesn't look like he'd last that long in a fight. Like, you know, maybe he'd surprise you, but it would be a surprise like he's a that short his beer gut was just a sack of pillows and he's really ripped but once he got shot and sherlock stepped on his wound i was like oh he's a little he's uh he's a little punk right but it's kind of like that whole thing with with like how like even just like the casting of that guy it's kind of devaluing like physical prowess in the show and overvaluing he's like it's a game of chiss Think, why did they keep zooming in on his teeth and face when he gets saying chess and you gotta decide it's not a 50 50 it's 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 intellectual it's a game of chess in there yo can you back the camera up a bit oh my god and then he 
Then he kept bringing up the gun. I was like, bro, do you even know how to pull a trigger? Like, if you don't get that out of my face. I'm talking like I was Sherlock in the situation. And then Sherlock said, I know a real gun when I see one. I, I didn't think he was going to pull the trigger if it was a real gun because he wanted to beat Sherlock in in mm-hmm. Battle of Wits. I was like, well, that would be a reason to like not shoot him. And then he, Sherlock would just straight up called him out. Like, That's not a real gun, bro. Yeah, I was thinking about that for like a logical is like, is that a logical that it's not a real gun? But then I was like, well, he probably like there's certainly like been plenty of cases of like fake guns being mistaken for real ones. Mm -hmm. But I think if he like finger guns, those are really hard to tell the difference between. Yeah, but like I think that would it would kind of make sense that he wouldn't be walking around with a real gun, Mm -hmm. but you know, using the prop like he does. So it introduces the big villain. You you talked about this. Like you want to know what the deal with Moriarty is. That's a that's a big hook, because um, everything does kind of resolve. I hope he doesn't look like the cabbie or something. Like this dude was the whole. He was the mastermind. He's got. Teeth yeah, I'm not gonna say much about it, but I'm gonna be interested to see if you can pick him out when he does show up. I don't know if we're gonna cover those episodes, but you know we'll we'll get to that when we get to it. I feel like that's kind of, like, a necessary thing when you're trying to launch anything. You know, setting up, like, the big arc for the series. The post credit scene teasing, whatever. Like, him saying Moriarty is kind of having the same effect as that. Is like, everything's kind of resolved, but more's coming. Which I think, again, is, like, why this feels more like a movie than a TV episode. Mm. Is because it kind of has that, like, okay, we... Like, we finished this story, but, like, there's a sequel. Just the after-credits. They set a really high bar for themselves by having Sherlock be so insanely intelligent. And they're they're drafting off the books a little bit, because, like, some of the deductions they're taking straight from the stories. So they, Yeah. Like, I don't... I think the the deduction with Watson's phone in the book, they do basically the same one with... I think it's his pocket watch. Particularly, like, the drunk charger thing i think there's like a key hole for the pocket watch that they do the same thing with in terms of the show as a whole like they have to keep delivering on that intelligence so it's like high risk high reward because if you drop below that like people are going to notice right but like if you can keep delivering on that like it's gonna pay off for you and it has like this show is rated like i think like number 21 on the imdb list of like top rated tv shows and it's it's been higher before i think when i first got on imdb it was like number nine i don't know exactly what it's been passed by or what it's dropped below but like 21 is still really impressive Mm -hmm. i don't think in later seasons it really falls off i don't love season four but i don't think it gets dumber in season four why is it so difficult well for me it is to write an intelligent character like a super intelligent character i mean i can tell you from the experience i had with trying to write sherlock for the episode i did like and again this is a while ago i don't remember it great but i tried doing like deductive scenes and like trying to recreate it and it's you know I'm not Sherlock <laughs> is is kind of the long and short of it. Like, like you, I can tr- you're making you can make- try to retrofit it, but it's it's hard to like replicate. Like if you're trying to write someone who's smarter than you. Right. There's stuff you can do as a writer to like kind of cheat, but it's 
it's tough. Like, so make the, the the cheapest thing to do, I think, is like make the people around them dumber, but they don't really do that here. He's just yeah, yeah. The people around him are insanely smart too, with Mm -hmm. Mycroft and Moriarty. Yeah. I mean, even, even, I'm saying, like, even the quote-unquote dumb people in the show are just average people, so how do you write a character that's supposedly smarter than you and the rest of the average humans? I think, well, I think there's a couple things. For one thing, I don't think smart writing necessarily looks like writing super intelligent characters all the time. Like, I think there are some shows that... Oh, no, no, I know that, but I'm saying, like, specifically a genius character, like... Well, I think it, it can depend, because I think there's a degree to which research can help you. Like, the thing I'm thinking of is, like, the social network. Mm-hmm. Like, Mark Zuckerberg in that is, like, talks at a million miles an hour and is, like, really a smart coder. And they, they do a bit with coding there, but, like... You said Lex Luthor. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, there's a reason he got cast as Lex Luthor. But, like, for one thing there, like, Mark Zuckerberg is a real person you can do research on. Mm-hmm. And, like, even in... With a character like Sherlock, you know, I as a 15-year-old didn't think to actually go do research. But if I were, like, assigned to write this character, I would hope I would spend time doing that. Yes. Because you could, like, there's plenty of forensic data out there to do. So I think I think it's kind of a matter of, you know, you don't necessarily have to be as quick as the character is. I, I think it's kind of a matter of spending time with it. Mm-hmm. Because take even the other version of sherlock holmes with robert downey jr when he's like fighting guys twice his size and taking them down mm-hmm. through his brain which I, I don't fully buy but like <laughs> just you know if you were like a trained fighter and you had the time to like do what he does and be like okay i see this weakness in him i can predict all these moves if you had time to map that out i think there's people who could go and strategize and do that Mm -hmm. so you just speed it up Mm. and have him be able to do it in an instant i think that's sort of a cheat code you can use maybe part of what sherlock does in this show is like he sees john's phone and in an instant he has all yeah speed might be a part of that and then the way mm -hmm. he's like talking and getting it all out like right in one breath yeah that okay Right, because, like, and, and you know, maybe you compare him to someone like Lestrade, because Lestrade seems to be a decent detective in his own right. He might have been able to figure out what was happening and crack the case mm-hmm. in a similar way to Sherlock does, but it would probably just take him a lot longer and, mm-hmm. he, like, maybe require more evidence. I don't know if that totally answers your question. No, it does. But like, Speed is a huge, seems like a pretty big factor. In the time it takes them to understand or deduce or figure something out or mm-hmm. speed. And, and like, that kind of helps with the audience thing, too, because, like, they're getting it all at once with no chance to slow down, necessarily. Right. Um, I mean, they could pause it and try and figure it out if they want, but be doing it in less time than the character does in the show, regardless. Right. Well, there's something I've heard of called, like... uh I think it's from the guys on script notes. They call it uh, refrigerator logic, where, like, if you are watching a movie, you're, like, buying it, and then you, like, pause it, go get something from the fridge, and you have, like, a couple minutes to think about it. You're like, wait, that's a plot hole. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be able to do that or whatever. And, like, you can kind of run with that to a degree as a writer, I think. And, like, 
I don't think it's a good long-term strategy to like just use going through stuff really fast mm -hmm. to harp on one of our favorite examples the third pirates movie i think the first few times i uh -oh. saw it i kind of like was like oh this is like all just much smarter than i can track with it's going too fast for me and then when i actually sat down and tried to work it out it's not there mm -hmm. so the like the proof can be in the pudding there but you do have an advantage what flavor is it uh pistachio i don't know we'll do something random pistachio um, pudding i've had it once i don't remember it being good that does not sound good it sounds it exists jello jello put it out hey it's saint patrick's day oh only for another eight minutes but it's saint patrick's day um <laughs> it sounds green it was toxically green Ew. um <laughs> But aside from mixing metaphors, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, long and short, the intelligence thing is a big draw for this show. But again, something they have to keep delivering on. You know, we've seen like late season Game of Thrones. People were like, wow, that show is that show is brilliant in like with its, all its characters and its dialogue for the first several seasons. And then when it fell off, like it might not have that might have been the quality of like the last season or so. Might not have been a deal breaker for some things, but because they set the, the bar so high for themselves, they kind of shot themselves in the foot. So it's a risk. Yeah, last thing for this topic, we're kind of setting up John and Sherlock's dynamic. We've talked about this a bit. Like, they don't gel perfectly. They're going to have a lot of miscommunication, but ultimately, like, they're a great duo. They're kind of perfect for each other. Sherlock makes life exciting for John in a way that he needs. John gives Sherlock a partner and a friend and like someone who can get him out of tight spots like he does at the end they see each other's value yes and that transitions us into the last topic assuming you're done with yep yeah so john watson the sidekick character this iteration of john watson i think is my favorite fictional character in just anything jesus it's it's a strong take those contenders, but he is definitely top five, maybe number one. I really love this character. What about Davos? You can't forget about Davos is is a contender for sure. But what is he from he, again? I always forget. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Um, and again, like you as a non-watcher would probably not have seen him pop up in anything. He's not one of the better known ones, but. Nope. And I don't know if I could call him objectively the best, but he's the GOAT. I don't know if I could call but, him the best, but he might be the greatest of all time. He as a person is the GOAT. I, I know. When I say I he's not the mean. best I character, I mean he's like mm -hmm. construction. Although he's pretty damn solid in that too. But as I as I said, this iteration specifically of John Watson. So you mentioned earlier about like, I think you alluded a couple times to like, oh, is Watson going to be useless? Yep. He is so useless in the story. I was like, right. I can't stand I was right. the Watson from the books after watching this show. Like, he does nothing. Like, he's right. literally, like, and it's, they kind of play off it too in this because Sherlock, when he first kind of recruits John, he's like, all right, I kind of just want you there. Like, John says something like, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm a stand-in for your skull there. Mm -hmm. Is that it? Um, like, he's just kind of using him as a sounding board right. to start, which is exactly what Watson in the books is. He is the there. He's there to go, oh, that's fantastic. Look, look at this. Brilliant wow. Look at this guy go. Wow, is that smart. 
if Watson does anything, that's what he's doing. It's like, oh, wow, he's smart, isn't he? And, and like, there are several stories, I think in probably at least 80% of the stories, he could be taken out and nothing would change. He's literally just there to be the narrator. Mm -hmm. I think there's like one story where Sherlock lets him like try to deduce the ending, but it's like, it's a charity thing. He's like, you know what? We'll let you give this one a shot, Watson. Oh. I think this is at your skill level. Like, oh, go for it. God. Um, and I was like, wow, that's that's low, man. After watching this, like, I I don't I don't want to diss on it too much because it's the OG, but like, and even like there's there's other smarter versions of Watson, like Jude Law in the newer ones with Robert Downey Jr. He's he's definitely not useless, but I I don't like their dynamic as much. Mm -hmm. And one of the most famous ones, um, me and my grandfather actually get into this a little have or have gotten into it a little in the past because one of the most famous adaptations of this these characters is basil rathbone as sherlock and nigel bruce as john watson and that was kind of what he grew up on and he's seen this show and is not a fan he's like well, watson's supposed to be a bumbling idiot like, because that's what he is in the Nigel, when Nigel Bruce plays him. I'm like, yeah, I'm so glad he's not. Like, I'd hate seeing that mm -hmm. in this. And, you know, it's, I think it doesn't really matter which version you like better, but I will stand by this until my dying day. Like, this is Watson to me. All the other ones are, I like this one better and I'm not going to apologize for it. And like Martin Freeman has said something to that effect. He's like, I don't feel like I'm doing... Arthur Conan Doyle's Watson. I'm doing Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss's Watson. Those are the showrunners. Um, Mark Gatiss is actually the guy who plays Mycroft also. Ah, oh, so he made himself the smart character. Yeah. Um, hmm. I think he plays it well, though. Like, he's not miscast at all. Oh, no, no, no. And he's, you know, he's an actor in his own right. He's in other stuff. He's, you know, he's sort of an everyman, which is like, that's kind of the origin of the character. He's just kind of a blank slate. And he still comes off as kind of an everyman in this, but he's like, he's got a specificity to it. And Martin Freeman's performance helps with that. Like, he has a lot of very specific mannerisms that help sell that. Mm -hmm. But in terms of, like, the character construction, he's got backstory, he's got skills, he's been injured, he's, like, restarting. And th that all is, like, present in the original stories, but they don't really, like, do much with it. In this, they really comment on it and, like, make that a big part of his character. And this episode specifically favors his point of view, where a lot of later ones don't. He's got his arc with his injury and, like, reintegrating into society. His character development isn't over, for sure, but, like, you could kind of say he has a full arc in this movie, or in this episode. Mm -hmm. What was your take on this Watson? I like him. For the reasons I mentioned before, I was right about the book Watson being useless. Um, and this one already saved this show's main character in the first episode. As soon yep. as I saw him go through that door, the wrong door, and he was looking at Sherlock from the other side and he's just shouting his name, I was like, God dang it, he is just going to scream and, and uh, oh no, what's, oh no, he's about to be real useless right now. He's about to be useless. And then dude was in the middle of still doing the pill thing with the camera in his teeth. And then he just got shot. And I was like, yo, what? Oh, uh, uh. And then I saw Watson through the window. I was like, bro, 
Okay, so this man's is just built. They, everybody in this show built different, bro. Why mm-hmm. this? Why did he already save? Because we don't. Also, that kind of annoyed me. We don't know if Sherlock chose the right pill. That's really annoying. But he saved him in case that was the wrong pill, and Sherlock didn't rat on him. And I was like, yo, okay, so he he really just be killing people. All right, that's what's up. As a, do you want to get into a sidekick, the sidekick stuff? Yeah, well, yeah, we can get into that because, like, you were kind of mentioning it. Like, that's kind of the, like, it's a bold choice. And I really only just right now am kind of realizing, like, it's kind of a bold thing to let the sidekick save the day right. in this first episode. Right. Which I love. I, I've mentioned before, I love sidekick characters. And this is the best of them, in my opinion. I'm not going to argue that. I haven't seen many good sidekick characters, so continue. There there are too few. Yeah. There are too few. Like, it's it's a bold choice because, you know, in, in most things, like narrative structure, you never want a minor character to save the day. Mm-hmm. And you could argue, like, you know, this show is sort of a two-hander with John and Sherlock, so it, it's not quite breaking, like, that rule. And as I said, this episode specifically is kind of more John's story than Sherlock's. Mm-hmm. But it's still a bold choice to have, you know, the show is called Sherlock. It's your you're introducing this show and you have John Watson, who historically does nothing, save the day. That's like, like that's a bold choice. Yeah, that's like having to equate this to like anime or, or shonen. It, that's like having a big bad that's been terrorizing everybody for a single story arc. And having, like, one of the side characters or, like, the rival deliver the final blow on on the villain. Like, that's the equivalent or an example of that in a different form of media. Like, that's that's pretty insane. Yeah, because, like, in most cases, it would come off as anticlimactic or, like, right. like a deus ex machina, right. maybe. Because, you know, a character or a force that's not the hero is the one who's, mm-hmm. like, resolving the conflict. Like, it's it's really the heart of the show mm-hmm. because, you know, you were saying you're frustrated that Sherlock doesn't find out. He's really frustrated he didn't know whether he won. But, like, the kind of, like, mini arc that he has is, like, he's grateful that somebody has his back. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's more important than winning every time. No, I wanted to find out. I want to find, find out, out too. No, I'm I'm with you. I want to find out. Especially but I think with all that like, talking, yeah. bro. That which pill is it gonna be? Which which pill? It's one of them is poison. Uh, yeah, I'll just give you the good bottle or the bad. Oh, that's that's actually a really perfect impression. <laughs> I I thought they were I thought they were gonna pull uh not corpse bride princess bride thing where it's yeah. both gonna be poison. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, he's he wants I I called that he was gonna he wanted to die with Sherlock, so they were both poisoned. That's what I thought. Yeah. I had not seen The Princess Bride when I first saw this, but I, uh, yeah, I, that's kind of a thing that happens in, I feel like almost any scene in, like, a movie of certain drama, anytime someone's given yeah, food, now like, that's probably poisoned it, mm-hmm. goes, oh, it's not poisoned, like, uh, yeah, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, like, it is, it is such a cool escalation, where he's like, if you don't take it, the one you don't take, I'll take the other one. Like, we're kind of talking about it already, but like, what are your feelings on sidekicks in general? I have plenty of opinions, but I want to hear yours. Like, is John a good one? Is there someone better? Um, which, one, there's not, but two, give a candidate if you can. 
yeah, just like your feelings on sidekicks. So John is a great sidekick. The best ones are useful and different, but complement the main character. Mm-hmm. In some cases, they also double as a rival, or normally the rival, but can be seen as a sidekick. I don't know. Um, when I think of sidekicks, again, y'all know me. I just think superheroes, and my mind immediately shoots to Robin. Again, with the Batman-Robin yeah. comparison. Uh, I never cared for Batman, as I've said plenty of times on the channel before. But I, I liked the Robins after they were no longer Batman's sidekick. So, like, Red Hood was was a Robin at some point. He's a comic book character. And then and one of my favorite anti-heroes. And Nightwing as well. Once they left that sidekick role, they I, I, I like the characters when they're no longer sidekicks. And they kind of just go off on their own. As far as just people that stay in the sidekick role, I can't think of anybody better because I can't think of anybody. Yeah, well, we're kind of about to get like a double sidekick show with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Ah. I'm not really interested in watching it, but those are like the two Captain America sidekicks Mm -hmm. who are now going off and doing their own thing. Right. I don't really care for either one of them as characters, though. I mean, I'll watch Falcon's it. Falcon's got some cool powers, though. Like his, what? His flight suit is pretty dope. That's not his power, though. Like, he's just a dude. But, like, his his suit is pretty dope. He can fly, Evan, and then shoot things oh, with the thing. That and that's like about it. that is, like, one of five. Like, he's, he's one of my favorite MCU. <laughs> what? He's cool. <laughs> his, his wing things are... Come on, those are pretty cool. Evan, he's a bird not, man, I know bro. You're in, he's all right. I have realistically, if somebody I had bias, that, I get that. I have bias because prior to seeing that, like at the time I saw Winter Soldier, I was working on a series where like I had characters using wings like similar ish to his. Okay. So I was like, it was. I have a bit of bias. All I right. will admit, but I still think he's cool. All right. Uh, well, that explains it because. I said, from a realistic standpoint, like, if somebody were to, in real life, somebody were to have, you know, those wing abilities with the bombs and the, the guns and all that, that'd be cool. But, like, as far as, like, the rest of the cast, like, all of them? Nah, son. Um, but you explain your bias, so you're good. Yeah, I'm not looking for, That's coming out this Friday. I'm probably yeah. still going to be watching the Snyder Cut with as long as that's supposed to be. No, I don't I don't think they're greater than Watson. Even from what I've seen, as long as I've been watching the MCU, this this whole thing, like nah. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe they'll do their own like do well in their own show, but when they were in that sidekick role when Cat was doing everything doing the most in Civil War with Bucky or with Falcon in the Winter Soldier movie, I I didn't I didn't care. Did not care. So Watson, the yeah. goat, the goat of sidekicks, probably mm-hmm. this one. Yeah, well, that's kind of my frustration. Is like there are so few sidekick characters that really get a good amount of attention. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I've like looked up lists. I have written a script specifically about like sidekicks. Yeah, um, I think I've mentioned it once or twice mm-hmm. on the show before. But like in doing that, I've done a lot of research into them, and I feel like in many cases to make those lists they kind of take like a pretty liberal interpretation to what sidekick means like chewbacca 
I'm looking at a list right now. Jiminy Cricket. I feel like Chewbacca is a really generous, like, take on, like, what counts as a sidekick. Ron and Hermione, I feel... Hermione is, like, not usually, like, the stereotypical... Like, you would typically think Ron is the sidekick, but they kind of combine to be one. They're they're a pretty solid sidekick duo. Hit Girl um, from Kick-Ass. Yeah, see, I don't feel like she's really a sidekick. No. I feel like that she's kind of her own thing. Like, if she counted, she would probably be up there, but I don't Piglet. feel like she quite fits the bill. Oh, Luigi. Um, that's not really dude, movie. Screw Luigi. It's not really. He's not. There's a lot of Luigi love out there, though. Uh, like, I don't. Well, it's from people who don't know what a sidekick is, then. <laughs> Come at me. Uh, There's a lot of superhero sidekicks I forgot about, but also don't care about. I, I kind of, like, took a pretty broad interpretation with mine, too. Like, I, I have, like... I think I have I've at least written scenes where characters debate whether Carlos Santana, the guitarist, is a sidekick. I don't. Because he does, like, collaborations with a lot of other artists, but he doesn't have, like, a consistent person he works with. Oof. I'm getting a little far away from it, but, like, Watson is kind of the perfect sidekick to me. Like, he and Sherlock aren't, like, dependent on each other, but they do complete each other, like, professionally, and, le- like, they really do complement each other really well Mm -hmm. and like they're better because of their differences like there's kind of some sidekicks i feel like where they basically have the same skill set like i feel like there's other detective duos where it's like you'd basically have sherlock and lestrade and one is just better than the other i think that happens a lot with like action sidekicks where it's like they can like help out but they're never allowed to save the day like we were saying right so they like can't be stronger than the hero but with this, it's like they are so different. Like they, their skill sets are totally different. Mm-hmm. You know, John is, you know, he's got some perceptive abilities, but like his real assets are like his bravery, his loyalty, and just like his his ability to tolerate Sherlock is like kind of his biggest asset. Right. In at least in this episode, because like you know, Lestrade is maybe the closest person to be able to like you know have Sherlock around without wanting to punch him. Mm-hmm. But for Lestrade, that's more like a professional like, necessary evil. For John, he he's actually intrigued by him. But, you know, we already are starting to see he's like, he kind of sees the same thing Lestrade sees in him, but, you know, there's not a competitive nature with it and he's not obligated to be around Sherlock. He's choosing to. He and Sherlock can be friends and not just allies. And, like, uh, the other thing, too, though, like, you know, he's supportive, but he's going to call Sherlock out on his fault and, like, is already starting to. And, you know, that's going to continue. So I I think he's... And I love how much attention the show gives to him. Probably favors Sherlock more, but it, it's really a two-hander. Like, and Martin Freeman has said in interviews, like, they're very generous to John in this show in terms of how much attention he gets. Mm-hmm. And, I, I love that. Like, that really is... Like I said, like, he's probably my favorite fictional character. This is, like... And this Sherlock is great. Like, absolutely nothing against that. But John is what really sells the show. Wow. Last thing I want to talk about with him, and, you know, add more if you want also. The scene where he meets Mycroft, I think, is my favorite one of the episode. I didn't remember it standing out, but re-watching it, I'm like... 
I think it really is the best one. In that scene, we see, like, all of John in that scene. We see how he's loyal to Sherlock, even if he's not, like, he claims not to be. And, you know, he, he maybe really isn't, but he's not, he's not ratting him out. He's not, he's not going to snitch on him to Mycroft for money. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a big perk. He's standing up to Mycroft. You don't seem very afraid. Well, you don't seem very frightening. Um, like, that's a another strong selling point. He, it shows his wounds. It shows why he needs Sherlock with that, like, you're not haunted by the war. You miss it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, man. Uh, and, yeah, and it has when... his moral compass, like, with not taking the money. Like, it's it's got everything. Yeah. I verbally said, uh, oh... When Mycroft deduced that Watson is excited by the by the stress or like the adventure of the situation or mm-hmm. whatever, like like a certain main character, and I was like, "Yo, wait, that's why he got because that explained why he got in the car in the first place." Mycroft, when he was looking through the camera, was like, "I think you understand the situation. You're in. that. I'm not trying to do a British act. I don't know what that accent was. I think you understand the situation you're in." I was like, "No." I don't, I don't, what, there's nobody, there's no guns trained on him, there's nobody around him, there's just a car, okay, sure, and he's, and he's being looked at through cameras, okay, but that's why he got in the car, and I was like, yo, oh, so he's, like, in it for the thrill, too, like, mm-hmm. and that's why he's going ham to protect his homie and all that. Yeah, it sells him really hard. I think. And like, it kind of shows his flaws too, because you know, it's, or maybe not flaws, but his wounds for sure. Like he's not doing it just for fun. He's kind of doing it because he's, he's sort of addicted Yeah. in his own way. It shows so much respect for the character that you don't see anywhere. Like you don't see that for most main characters in anything. For one thing, you never see it for sidekicks and you absolutely never see it for other versions of John Watson. Mm-hmm. Martin Freeman's brilliant in this role. I, as I said, he's played some of my favorites. He's one of my like probably top ten favorite actors, and this is a major reason. Mm-hmm. I I also like part of it was when I was first watching this show. It was like in the middle of the Hobbit trilogy coming out, mm-hmm. like twenty thirteen ish. I still liked those a lot at the time. I still really like him to this day, but like that was kind of like the combination. That was like the one-two punch of like Bilbo Baggins, John Watson, Martin Freeman is awesome. But yeah, did you have more with anything, especially Watson? But anything we talked about nope. going for much longer than I thought we would. Same, but uh, nope. Yeah, we will get to some boilerplate things here. First one we had. Quick follow-up from the last episode on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. We asked people to tell us who they would want as Willy Wonka and who to direct. So Anne, the same fan who wrote in last time. Shout-outs to Anne. Biggest fan, yeah, shout-outs. Oh, we also asked for who, like, what your rankings are. So she says, oddly, my favorite is the new, then the old. The book is simply in a league of its own. I guess that means the book is good. <laughs> Who I would cast for Willy Wonka in no particular order. Anthony Hopkins, Christian Bale, Jared Leto, Nicolas Cage, or Joaquin Phoenix. Directors, Tarantino, Zack Snyder, or Matthew Vaughn. 
There's some Yo. big wows in some of those. I don't know what a Zack Snyder Yo. Willy Wonka would look like. I can imagine a Tarantino. It's, uh, it, <laughs> there's definitely some Oompa Loompas. Getting clapped getting left and yeah. right, and their blood is candy juice. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? Of these, I, I think I would pay to see it. I don't know if I really would want it to exist. Tarantino directing Nick Cage as Willy Wonka. I, yeah. And him just casually dismissing the deck like the deaths. I, I from all of those actors I get serial killer Willy Wonka vibes. So if you want to mm. go full dark uh, Christian Bale Christian Bale has played serial killers for yeah. one thing. I think actually most of the like Joaquin Phoenix, Gerald that's two jokers yeah. that we have in that list. Uh-huh. Anthony Hopkins has been Hannibal Lecter. That's another serial killer. And then Nick Cage is probably a serial killer in real life, so chalked up. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. And he's a serial actor. <laughs> Holy I, crap. I, yeah. I think Anne's going for a certain vibe here and I dig it. Yeah, I, I go think, all I out on would... the serial killer theory. I like that. Mm-hmm. I think this would be like the '90s cast for, um, especially with Tarantino directing. Like mm-hmm. I, that would be like the '90s list of and it Willy would Wonka. Somehow actors. end in bloodshed. Yeah, I just I love thinking of Nick Cage doing it as like completely disinterested the whole time. I'm a cat. Sorry, that's the only thing I can. <laughs> Here we've got my uh. Room of square candies that look round. <laughs> Very proud of my square candies that look round. <laughs> That's a, that would be the Nick Cage, <laughs> Willy Wonka. Yo. Matthew Vaughn, though. What is he directing? Matthew, I know that name. He's uh, he's Kingsman. Kingsman. And um, he did uh, that movie Layer Cake with Daniel Craig from like 05 is not i think that's him so kingsman but he's mostly he's mostly known oh he did kick ass also he, so he, it's a whole lot of yeah there's there's a clear vibe and i dig the vibe the violence serial killer i i like that and i want to see it now not saying it would be great be... but i want to i still want to i give good money to see that well if he was doing the origin story like i'm imagining the oompa loompas facing off against like all the creatures in their forest and uh, doing like the slow-mo kingsman like uh, or is it the snyder cut fight. it's like oompa loompas versus the snozwangers or whatever they're called and it's like 300 style yeah the Oompa Loompas kicking the kicking the snozwanger they all into have the well. Abs for some reason. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, all the Oompa Loompas are just jacked as <laughs> hell. <laughs> that is like, oh my god, just have like a bunch of yo two foot tall bodybuilders. I want to see this, bro. It's just wide AF for no reason, bro. Oh my Willy god. Willy Wonka is, has like. 12 abs taking his shirt off in the middle of the jungle. I feel like halfway through the movie you forget what it was about. Wait, this is a movie about making candy, right? Why is everybody shirtless and greasy? (laughs) Zack Snyder's Willy Wonka. Oh my god. Yo, I want to see this, bro. Good suggestion, and holy crap. That would be so 
That would be something. I want to see their demo reels at least. I don't know if I want a full thing, but I want all of those demo reels. I need like a fan cut or something, bro. Yeah. Fan cut. I feel like realistically, Anthony Hopkins would probably make the most sense out of any of those. Oh, for sure. He pr- like especially like '90s Anthony Hopkins. He could he could have definitely been a '90s Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyone else? Like even if you're listening to this like a year from now, send us in who you think should be. Willy Wonka directors let and actors. It, let us try to guess the vibe from your movie based on who you pick mm-hmm. too. Is that that sounds fun? That's yo, shout out to Anne again. Holy crap, yeah. dude. That's that's hilarious. So, in speaking of Zack Snyder, next episode we're doing is gonna be ah. whatever we're calling it, the Snyder Cut Snack Snyder's just a snack did I just say <laughs> Snack Snyder's? <laughs> snack snyder's justice league um whatever yeah so that as we're recording it comes out tomorrow slash today um mm-hmm. so we may actually put out the episode on that before this depending on how fast i edit godzilla versus kong and mortal Kombat, all hbo max releases in the next month or so we have merchandise with the logo By there. there's links to our products in the show notes you can find them on zazzle our logo is by Kelsey Hendry. Uh, we have our Patreon with episodes on the Spider-Man trilogy episode on Tenet and some of our notes. And we're going to have more stuff there uh, in the future. And we've got our YouTube channel uh, with video essays on there. I've been working on one that should be up soon. Rate and review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow the show on Twitter at INTAnalysis18. You can follow me on Twitter at Davos Watson. Davos like Game of Thrones. Watson like the one we went off about today. And where can people find you? At Jelani T. Kelly on Twitter, at BassPhoenix on Instagram. I, I just did a stream today, and I started scanning my drawings, and oh my god, there hmm. is the quality difference between scanning a physical drawing compared to like taking the pictures off of your phone the difference is day and night and i'm gonna start posting those on instagram soon so follow me at base phoenix there uh follow my stream twitch tv backslash jbasephoenix and that's it all right so thanks for listening and we will see you next time peace